Well, the answer to that question, Dick, are you ready, is no. <laughs> I really debated whether I should speak on this tonight because I don't feel like uh, I am ready. And I tried to present or work on something else. I couldn't get that ready either. So I came back to the original, realizing that uh, a lot more time could be spent on this to really do justice to the subject. Nevertheless, maybe there will be something here that will be helpful in the uh, brief things that I do share. Uh, we're going on in this study of the times where Jesus said, Have you not read? Have you not read? And the area that it deals with this evening is marriage and divorce. Now, that should tell you why I feel like I could have had more time spent on this. Let's pray here before we go on. Father, we ask that there would be some profit for our souls as we look into your word, even with limited understanding. We ask that you'd help us here tonight. Keep us from error and evil and draw us closer to yourself. We pray that you take this time and use it for your glory. We thank you for what we've already heard. Thank you for grace tonight, Lord, and your patience and long-suffering. Thank you for answered prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we mentioned last time that at least ten times in the Gospels and six times in the book of Matthew, Jesus uses this phrase, have you not read? Each time that he uses it, he's addressing religious leaders, the ones that should have read and probably did read a lot of the scriptures, but basically what he was saying is, you are in error because you've missed the truth of God's word. You may have read it, but you really didn't get it. And these were the people, of course, that were supposedly the experts. The Pharisees generally as the ones he was talking to when he used this phrase, have you not read? The last time we looked at what Jesus told the Pharisees, when they complained to him and his disciples about going through the field and plucking the grain and eating it on the Sabbath, and he said, have you not read what David did? And then he expounds on that a little bit, and that was back in Matthew chapter 12, 1 through 8. Now, we won't go through that again, but basically what he showed them was that their narrow interpretation of the law was wrong. 
and even though they supposed that they knew so much because of all their learning, yet they were really blind to the true heart of God and an understanding of what God was presenting in his word. So in that case, they show, he was showing them that their narrower interpretation of the law was wrong. In the next use of the phrase, which we're going to look at tonight, where he says, have you not read, he shows that those people just the opposite, that their broad interpretation of the law was wrong. And again, that they were blind to the true heart of God on the issue that they were dealing with. And that issue was marriage and divorce. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 19 and we'll read the section. Um, Let's begin with verse 3 here. 3 through 9. And some Pharisees came to him, testing him, and saying, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any cause at all? And he answered and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh? Consequently, they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. They said to him, Why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and send her away? He said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning... It has not been this way. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. Well, maybe we should go on and read here a little bit further. The disciple said to him, If the relationship of a man with his wife is like this, it is better not to marry. But he said to them, Not all men can accept this statement, but only those to whom it has been given. So here we have one of the places where we see the scriptural teaching on the subject of marriage and divorce. Now, the situation at this time was that there were two main schools of thought in Judaism, in, this, in the day of Christ, uh, the most popular was the, the looser view that said that a man could basically divorce his wife for almost any reason. That's kind of the way they presented it here, you see. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any cause at all? The reason they said it that way was because that was the popular view at the time. And you can almost tell that that's what the disciples were used to also because when they heard what Jesus had to say, they said, well, if the relationship of man with his wife is like this, it's better not to marry. They had kind of this idea, well, you can get in and out of this pretty easy. I say that was the most popular view, but there was another view. One of the the other school uh, said that the only valid reason for divorce was 
sexual immorality. Both schools took their thought back from a scripture in Deuteronomy. So we'll go ahead and look at that, Deuteronomy chapter 24. And uh, beginning with verse 1. When a man takes a wife and marries her, and it happens that she finds no favor in his eyes because he found some indecency in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out from, her ho- from his house, And she leaves his house and goes and becomes another man's wife. And if the latter husband turns against her and writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house, or if the latter husband dies who took her to be his wife, then her former husband who sent her away is not allowed to take her again to be his wife since she has been defiled. For that is an abomination before the Lord, and you shall not bring sin on the land which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance. Now, actually, this scripture is not given so much to tell about divorce as it is about remarriage. But they were using the part here about uh, finding some indecency in her and giving her this certificate of divorce uh, as their reference point for their understanding of this area of divorce. And the problem here, the big problem, is what does this little phrase, some indecency, mean? Or uh, one translation says something improper. Well, those are pretty broad categories. And so you can see why one group would say, well, and there was reason for this in, in the actual uh, Hebrew, saying, no, that, that means sexual immorality. Well, the other group says, no, that's, that's a lot broader than that. It can mean uh, something of the nature of, you won't believe this, but one of the things that were mentioned was burning the toast. That's, that's uh, as broad, about as broad as you can get, divorce your wife for burning the toast. So anyway, there was this big discrepancy about what this verse uh, meant and what this section meant. Well, instead of getting into that debate initially anyway concerning the meaning of this verse, Jesus goes to scriptures that are far more important on the issue of marriage and divorce. So in other words, instead of looking at this specific verse, he goes to a broad, much broader principle and a much more basic area to try to understand and show them their error. And that, of course, is the Genesis account of Adam and Eve and God joining them together. He says, basically, from the beginning, God designed marriage as between one man and one woman to live together 
in a covenant relationship the rest of their lives. He just says, this is, you, you want to understand marriage, you go to where it was instituted, not some uh, secondary verse related to the subject, but go to the primary verse. Go to the one that shows God's real intention for this thing of marriage. Uh, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Now, it does not say man cannot separate it. Not the idea that God does not recognize a divorce when it happens, but that God's desire and design for marriage is that it not happen, that divorce not happen, and that people should work to preserve their marriage rather than looking for ways out of it. Well, the Pharisees didn't like the answer. They didn't like this uh, quoting of, of uh, the uh, Genesis account because uh, it didn't fit their lifestyle, basically. So they wanted to go back to this section in Deuteronomy. Uh, they wanted to press him about what that meant. You see that in verse 7. They said, they said to him, Why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce? Now I want you to note, back in that section, it doesn't say God commanded this. That was their way of trying to emphasize, you know, God, God let us divorce. <clears throat> that's, not, that's not the way it was. But anyway, that's the way they said it. Why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus answers that was because of your hardness of heart. That was the reason. See how he said it? Because of your hardness of heart. Isn't that amazing? He said that to those people right there standing there in terms of why Moses did that way back then. Because of your hardness of heart. He recognized that what was coming out of them, in these, even in this question, you see, was a hardness of heart. Moses permitted, then say command, it says permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it has not been this way. Well, in the answer to what to what they were saying. It seems to me that Jesus agrees basically with the stricter interpretation of the verse that, well, not the popular interpretation of the time, but the one that some of the religious leaders were saying, the stricter interpretation. Yes, basically Jesus saying, yes, what Moses was writing about was, was the subject of sexual immorality. But he says there's even a bigger issue involved here than just that. And that's the subject of the hardness of heart. That's the real issue here. The real issue, he's saying, is your lack of love and your lack of unforgiveness and your hardness of heart, your selfish desires and motives. That's the real issue. 
the one they didn't want to face, but the one that they needed to face and everybody, everybody needs to face. God allowed, not commanded, divorce because, he says, of your hardness of heart. Now, I'm not going to get in the specifics of divorce and remarriage. I'm just going to give some very general things here. Partly because I can't get in the specifics. I don't know enough to do it. But partly because the bigger issues are the more important ones. Here's one thing we can say. If there was no hardness of heart, there would be no divorce. Going from that then, I would say this. The central challenge in marriage is to guard our hearts from hardness. If you don't want to have to deal with divorce, then you guard your heart from hardness. That's the way to deal with it, to avoid divorce. Guard your hearts from hardness. Keep a tender heart. Now, there are so many interpretations. The reason this is difficult is because there are so many interpretations of, of the cultural setting that, that brought these verses forth and what the Greek and the Hebrew means here. I mean, it gets very uh, complex to try to figure some of these things out. And good men actually differ. Not just like the Pharisees here who had all kinds of selfish motives. There are good Christian people who disagree on what some of these verses mean. We can say this. The Pharisees were definitely wrong because of the hardness of their heart. And you're not going to see the right answer if you've got a hard heart either. You just take whatever you want to hear and leave the rest. <clears throat> so if we're hard in our hearts, we'll go wrong too. We really need to know God's heart on this sensitive subject. One thing that I think we do need to be clear about is verse 8, where he says, because of the hardness of your hearts, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives. God did not permit divorce for the benefit of the hard-hearted. God did not permit divorce for the benefit of the hard-hearted, but for the good of the wronged partner. God's not saying, because you are so hard-hearted, I'll allow you to get your way. That's not what, the, that's not what those verses mean. Rather, because you are so hard-hearted, I'll allow a divorce for the well-being of the other person. Or to put it another way, God hates divorce. We're told that in Malachi. God hates divorce 
because he set up marriage as an expression of love between a man and a woman that was designed to last throughout life, and also it was designed to represent the relationship between Christ and his bride, the church. God set up marriage as a love relationship and as a representation of the relationship between Christ and the church. Therefore, God hates divorce. To recognize that there are times when God allows divorce only recognizes that there are times when he hates the results of extreme hardness of heart even more than he hates divorce. Now, not everybody is going to agree with me on what I am about to say, but I do think that there are a number of grounds for divorce as a last resort, and those grounds would be at least the following situations. First of all, where there is unrepentant sexual unfaithfulness. That would be similar to what Christ is speaking about here in verse 9. Because he was dealing with he was dealing with that particular area here because this is what the Pharisees were talking about. They were referring back to this section in Deuteronomy. Does that mean that there's that's the only thing? Well, some people would say that. But I don't think that does justice to all of the scriptures. So that was the first one, where there is unrepentant sexual unfaithfulness, but also where there is protracted abandonment or desertion. Protracted abandonment or desertion. And thirdly, where there is significant abuse or threat of one's basic safety. Where there is significant abuse or threat to one's basic safety, and that would apply to the children also. I'm not saying that's the only places for divorce, but I would say these, to me, seem clear. Now, what am, I, what am I saying here? Again, I, all I'm saying is God hates divorce. That's true because of what marriage represents. But there are some things that God hates at least as much as divorce or maybe more. So much that we're talking about here has to do with motive. That's why you can't just say one, two, three, four... Divorce here, no divorce here. To selfishly look for a way out of a marriage is wrong. But to reluctantly and prayerfully realize that there are situations where divorce is permitted is not wrong. I guess I would even say it this way. There are situations where divorce is God's will. 
it is always or should always be a priority to try to save a marriage. But some marriages can't be saved. Why? Because of extreme, persistent, unrepented sin. On the other hand, if you get two people with tender hearts, I don't care what the past was, there can be reconciliation. You get two people with tender hearts, there is no such thing as irreconcilable differences. So, that's why I say the real issue here is this thing of the hardness of heart. And that's what you have to deal with in these situations. That's the real issue. That's what it comes down to. A tender heart or a hard heart. And I think that's I think that's what Jesus was really wanting to point out to these people that were questioning him. He didn't say because of their hardness of heart. Isn't that amazing? I think that's amazing. They're asking him about this verse back there 1,500 years ago. Why did Moses, you know, command this certificate of divorce? He didn't say because of their hardness of heart. He said because of your hardness of heart. Well... Those are just a few thoughts uh, on this subject that uh, I hope at least will help somewhat. I mean, I, again, I'm not I'm not answering specific questions here, mainly because I don't think I could, but I'm giving some general principles that I think are helpful. <clears throat> so I better stop. I'm glad you weren't ready on that one because that's as good as anything I've ever heard. <laughs> Who's prayer meeting tomorrow night? Men's prayer meeting. Garrett, would you lead us in prayer as we close tonight?